When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic. But today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA, from growing the cotton to adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride, purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. What is up, Panther fans? Uh, Welcome back to Debate My Take, where two guys with great hair, great personalities, and great takes battle each other, and one always loses. And that's my wheel man, Cody Lashney. No. Uh, Debate My Take is an opportunity for Carolina Panther fans uh, to see Two guys go after a lot of topics in the world, but mostly about the Carolina Panthers. And tonight, it's weeks, or tonight is about week seven. And we got some great topics ahead of you guys. Ahead, and Cody Lashney, my adversary, is back at it again. Tony Dunn, you might as well call me a laundromat because I make all your arguments look washed. Okay? Washed. I do it every week. I'm going to do it again tonight. And the chat room loves it, man. All the watchers love it. We're going to debate it out. And once again, my superior intellect will be on display. We want you to be a part of this uh, debate show by um, hitting us up on Twitter with debate topics throughout the week. Use the hashtag, hashtag C3Debates, all one word, obviously, because it's a hashtag. It's got to be all one word. And let's go ahead and jump into it because we got to go and talk, do the beat check in just a little while. Right now, first topic, firing away. This was submitted by at Travis T. Reed on Twitter. Are McCaffrey's best days behind him? And is his body showing signs of breaking down to excess due to excessive carries early in his career? Go ahead. You go first, my worthy opponent. Tony, listen, man. Something that Panther fans have had to reckon with is that the injury list continues to pile up for our man Christian McCaffrey. Uh, I mean, at first, uh, last year he went out, he was injured for most of the year, we still lost every game that he competed in, and then now we're dealing with a hamstring injury. Tony Dunn, you know hamstring injuries tend to linger. He wanted to blame it on Thursday Night Football, which a lot of players do. But listen, uh, uh, a player isn't injury prone until they are. Cam Newton wasn't injury prone until he was. Greg Olson wasn't injury prone 
until he was. Luke Kixley didn't get concussions all the time until he did, Tony Dunn. And what I'm telling you is that the running back position, especially, is one of the roughest positions to play. They take a ton of punishment. I think Christian McCaffrey is an exceptional player. But listen, I think that the Panthers lean too heavy on Christian McCaffrey, and his body is starting to show signs of wear and tear. Now two seasons in a row, and it's right after we paid him the most running back money that any running back has ever been paid in the NFL. So uh, I really do think we have to look and consider all things and just be honest that as of this point, McCaffrey is showing signs of being a hurt fighter. The answer is no. The best days of Christian McCaffrey are not behind him. Um, but there is there is some concern about the great days in front of him being limited by injury, right? Um, the good news for me is this, is I'm not too concerned about it. Uh, and the reason being is that these injuries have all been different injuries, right? Um, and only one of them with the shoulder was one of great concern. So right now, we saw him coming out, putting his head down a year later and bowling people over and looking fantastic. And through two and a half games, he was a sensational force, the Christian McCaffrey that we remembered. Yes. Did he suffer a hamstring injury? Certainly he did. Is this the second year he's dealt with injuries? Yes, it is. And have has it is it disappointing that my man may have re-aggravated in practice in an effort to come back too quickly? Yes. And also, does it suck that a hamstring injury is so debilitating? Right. I mean, like it, that does suck. But we do know that these types of injuries um, do happen. Right. Particularly when these guys push their bodies to the limit. I do think that maybe uh, Christian McCaffrey will need to think about how he rehabs, how he works out in the offseason. Potentially, is his workout regime too tough? Right. Um, but at the same time, Thursday night football is a problem. There's always a lot of injuries on Thursday night football. Christian McCaffrey is dealing with playing on all AstroTurf all year long at this point. But Christian McCaffrey, when he's available, is sensational. So I don't think the best days are behind him. I do think we need to see a best day going forward, a complete season from him. But through two games, man, uh, he put up, he had a hundred and uh, 70 yards rushing. He had a total of 15 catches for another 140 yards. And he had one receiving touchdown, one rushing touchdown. When he is available, he is still the best. I know that it feels like it's been a long time because this has happened in back-to-back -back seasons. But through three seasons, he was remarkably durable. He will be back. But like you said, you're not injury prone until you are. I don't think this is related to how much work he has. I don't think at all that this is because he's on, he's getting the ball too much. I think that this is just part of a violent game. And football is a violent game. It can happen if you play 10 snaps or 40 snaps. So I don't buy the overuse. Christian McCaffrey, still the best back in the league when he's out there. But he's not out there right now. So he's not the best back. And it's Derrick Henry. Isn't it sad that we drafted Vernon Butler instead of Derrick Henry? Yeah, that would have been a really, really good, powerful rushing attack 
to have Cam Newton and Derrick Henry at that time. We'll see, man. I hope Christian McCaffrey the best. I think he's an incredible football player, and it's undeniable that the Carolina Panthers are better with him than they are without him. Tony Dunn, these things just keep mounting up. It's a different injury every time. It worries me. I'm worried, and I think Panther fans should be a little worried as well. Take us into the next topic. Yeah, so, Tony, let's get into this one. Is David Tepper to blame for the Panthers' inadequacies? And I told you this on Tuesday's show. I really think that they are. Because David Tepper has been a day late, dollar short on every important decision he's had to make relating to the Carolina, relating to the Carolina Panthers since he bought this football team. He fired Ron Rivera far too late in the process, mid-season. It should have had it at the start of that season. Then he ends up firing Marty Herney, and yeah, he should have done that way sooner as well. He should have done that as soon as he bought the football team so that way he could be ahead of the process on hiring the guys that he wanted. Then he reversed the process and hired the head coach and then hired his general manager. Ideally, your general manager needs to be a large, important part of the decision-making factor that goes into hiring your head coach. And once again, here we are uh, reversing that process. My One of my biggest concerns is that he's so analytics-driven that he's going to silence football guys who actually know what they're talking about relating to football, even if it doesn't necessarily toe the line of the analytics Bible that football GMs so strictly adhere to nowadays. I really do think that David Tepper has been too eager to build a winning football team, and he has fumbled the ball on doing things in the improper order. Now, Tony, I hate to be uh, quite frank with you, but we might be in a position in a position where Teddy Bridgewater wasn't the answer after we got rid of Cam Newton. The jury's still out on Sam Darnold, but it isn't looking very well up to this point. I think David Tepper rightfully has to take his fair share of the blame for the woes of the Carolina Panthers. It is his football team. The answer is that it's too early to be determined. But if uh, partially, if it goes south, it's going to partially be, if not all, be on David Tepper. But too early to, to be determined. And really, the answer is, will Matt Rule work out? If Matt Rule works and for beyond three seasons, if he's the coach for the next four or five years, right, and we have some sort of success with Matt Rule, then David Tepper didn't do it wrong. But if Matt Rule, after year three, is no longer the coach of this Carolina Panthers team, which we know he will get, or we all believe, I think, that he will get at least one year more, if not two. If Matt Rule is not the coach of the future, then totally this is on David Tepper for screwing up the process. For I, You know, I don't even know if he didn't do things fast enough, Cody, but I, I firmly agree that the order uh, of, of the events is problematic. And once you moved on from Ron Rivera, the Marty Herney era should have ended, right? Yeah. So if you, even if it wasn't the first year, even if it was in the second year, they both guys should have been gone together. And then you should have brought in a GM that you believed in. And then together you guys should have made a decision about a coach. But instead the, pra- the, the process was backwards. Um, but I think this is that uh, Matt Rule has had 
um, or at least demanded uh, full control of his staff in New York. And so I assume that he has asked for a sort of uh, autonomy when it comes to football decisions in the early part. I do believe David Tepper was part of these draft decisions and that um, rule was at least um, uh, listening to his voice, right? Maybe not making the decisions sure. based on David Tepper, but taking into account the input. But the drafts haven't seemingly been the problem at this moment. So right now it's going to be, the answer is David Tepper will be to blame if Matt Rule doesn't work. If, it do, if he does, then it doesn't matter. All right. So the next question, are the Panthers coaching or is the Panthers coaching staff panicking? I'm going to take this one first this time. Sure. And I do believe that the answer is to a degree, yes. I think that right now they're kind of reeling because there are too many holes in the boat, right? It's like the little Dutch boy who is trying to plug each little hole where the water comes sprouting out. And when you take one hole, finger out of one hole, another another hole, another leak pops up, right? And so I do think the coaches are panicking because there are um, um, a, a too many problems at this point. Not only are you facing the difficulties of a season with injuries, not only are you facing like these, these regular rhythms, right, of all of this was bound to happen, right? And I did say throughout the, at the beginning of the year that the question of the Panthers is not their starters, but the depth. And um, so once you do experience injuries, then you're going to the second line, and we knew there was a big drop-off. Unfortunately, these injuries have happened a lot on the offensive line where not only was there a big drop-off, but it was already a shit show in the very beginning. So the offensive line problems, Sam Darnold struggling, Joe Brady not doing well, and now the Carolina Panthers who started off making do, starting 3-0, and have lost three in a row and lost some winnable games at the same time. And now I do think um, that right now, that the Panthers staff is reacting. They are reactionary at this moment. And I don't know if that's what I want to see from these guys. I want them to have more belief in themselves and their decisions than we do. I understand that it has not turned out great, but at the same time, that's for us to panic. They should not be panicking. And I didn't like the, we just have to run the ball more type mentality. I, I think that you have to say, we got to be a tougher football team and we got to not abandon the run too quickly. But I just don't think that running the ball more is the solution, particularly when you're not even a good running team. And you weren't even the best running team when you had Christian McCaffrey out there. He just made it look okay. And not to shit on Chuba Hubbard, who has been okay at this moment, but he's had a lot more success on the outside than up the interior. And that's not even because he's not good at running up the middle. It's because the offensive line stinks. And there's only one running back in the league that can run behind a bad offensive line. And we saw him on Monday Night Football, and that was Derrick Henry. So, yes, they are panicking, and I need them to get it together. And I need them to be more like Ron Rivera in this case. And that is so stubborn at this point in his own belief in himself that this will not shake him. We need a team that Ron Rivera, you know, Ron Rivera was almost fired in his second year, right? And why was that? Because we started out miserably, but we salvaged the season with a strong ending. Ron Rivera teams played well in November and December. We need more confidence from this coaching staff. You know, Tony, I, I don't know if panicking is the right word. 
because frankly, I don't think Matt Rule feels the need to panic. He was signed to a seven-year contract, really without doing a whole bunch. I mean, he had a, a tenure at Temple. He turned that program around. He did the same thing at Baylor. But when you get a seven-year contract, you know that the owner is committed to you long-term and is not just going to turn around and fire you after two years. I think history has shown that owners who continuously turn around and turn around coaches end up being at the bottom of the NFL. And I'll give David Tepper his credit. He doesn't want to do that. But the point remains the same, Tony, that if this offensive line can't continue to help and get better going forward this season, then it doesn't matter because Matt Rule doesn't need to panic because he's going to be able to say, well, the offensive line couldn't pass protect or Sam Darnold wasn't able to be the franchise quarterback that we all predicted him to be. And by the way, if Sam Darnold does bust, it should be the fault of Matt Rule for signing off on wanting to go get Sam Darnold over any other player in the draft or any other player that they could have had in free agency. But listen, that it doesn't matter what world you want to live in. The reality is, is that Matt Rule has no need to panic because he knows that he has job security no matter what happens to him this year. Now, next year might be a different tale. But Tony, right now, it doesn't matter what happens, especially now that there is no Christian McCaffrey moving forward for at least the foreseeable future. Yeah, Matt Rule has no reason to panic, and neither does Fitterer. Now, we've talked about this. We've talked about Christian McCaffrey, David Tepper, the Panthers potentially panicking. Now I'm going to ask a difficult question here. When is it time to start thinking fire sale for a team that started out 3-0 and now three and three, and a team that doesn't feel like it's three and three. When do we start thinking about next season? A lot of people have already made conclusions about Sam Darnold. A lot of people have already said that this offensive line, me being one of them, can't be fixed with the current personnel that they have and will be bad all along. When do we start thinking fire sale, Cody, or do we at all? Tony Dunn, the definitive answer to this question is in two weeks we need to see what the carolina panthers do against the new york giants who are one of the worst teams in football right now and how we do against our division rival atlanta falcons who frankly have also not been a great football team this year that would be right before the trade deadline which is november 2nd and tony dunn i'm here to tell you if we're three and five and lose five games in a row after going on that terrible, or after starting with that, really that fantastic bit of momentum that we had going 3-0, and man, it's just another mirage year for the Carolina Panthers. Same, it's a different year, same Carolina Panthers. So I really do think that if we lose these next two, Everyone needs to be on the shelf, man. Uh, whoever we can get value for, I say do it, Tony. Right now, the Carolina Panthers have a a first, a fourth, a fifth, and a seventh round pick going into next year. That's not a whole lot. And even with Scott Fitter showing a tendency to want to trade down in the draft, 
I don't think it's going to be enough to recruit the necessary picks to actually be able to field a competent offensive line, be able to provide meaningful linebacker and safety depth, which the Panthers are still in sore need of right now. Yeah, Tony, right now the Panthers should be all in. But if we have two bad performances against two bad football teams, you name them and I'll put them up on the block. I don't care if it's, uh, you know, uh, Robbie Anderson or if it's Christian McCaffrey, even Stephon Gilmore, which you had a terrible take of wanting to trade him. I'm even willing to do that if we're looking at that point in the season. So, yeah, that's I my think, uh, First of all, I think you're exactly right. That's the exact timeline is two weeks. Um, I think if we lose to the Giants, then we are uh, inching closer to it, and you might even start considering that this year is not going to get much better, right? Um, and – I really, and ideally, in an ideal world, I'd be interested to see this, is that it were the, um, was the trade deadline moved when they added an additional game? Like, was it pushed back? Because I tell you, it would be really nice if that trade deadline was not November uh, 2nd, but like the 9th. Um, Because I think this is, I think we have to win two of the next three games for this season to be salvaged. I think if we lose two of the next three games, because we've got um, the Giants, we've got Atlanta, and then we've got a two and four New England team. New England team probably being the largest challenge at this point. Um, And you know what? We might even have a buy in there. I don't know where a buy is at this point. I have to go look at the schedule. But it would be really nice if we can determine this after the New England game. Sadly, the timeline is not like that. I think that you got to start thinking um, about aggressively um, trying to acquire, uh, acqu- you know, stock for next year if we lose next week. If we lo- if we win next week and then lose to the Falcons, I think you may even still be considering um, being a seller rather than a buyer. Um, if we lose the next two weeks, Everybody should go, right? Is that I mean, and not everybody should go, but you should be. I think at the higher level, the Scott Fitterer level needs to be starting to look towards next year at that point because it's murderer's row at the back end of this schedule. We got to play the Bills. We got to play the Bucks twice. We've got um, a Washington team that I thought was going to be much better than they are, but still, like nothing gets easy after New England, um, and the easiest one is Washington. And to be honest. Um, we're a type of team that is a get-right game for Washington's defense. So that, that that defense has not lived up to what it's supposed to be. But I tell you, if there's a team to get right against with a defensive front with that type of talent on it, it's the Carolina Panthers. So we got to win two out of three to keep this from being a, a, a lost season. Um, so that's I don't know if that really brings an answer to when it is to start thinking fire. So I think after – week nine or whatever it is when we play New England, we're going to know if this season has potential at all or if we're kind of just starting to meander through and try to get to next year. All right, let's move on to the next topic. Is Brian Burns as good as we thought he was? Right now is um, Joe Person came in and was on the beat check uh, with us uh, earlier in the, in the season, and he uh, thought that Hassan Reddick would have to take a natural regression after having – uh, 12 and a half sacks or something like that, 11 and a half sacks last year, whatever the number was in Arizona. 
Um, and that take, and he thought that Brian Burns would be the 12 sack guy this year. Um, not to undermine him. I mean, you got to make takes, right? I mean, like, is that if you're a reporter and you're trying to make preseason predictions and things like that, that's your, you know, you make some guesses and you're right and you're wrong. Turns out this the up to week through week six, that prediction has been flip-floppedied. And what I mean by that is that um, Hassan Reddick has not only put up numbers, but he's even put up numbers in the continued struggles that the Carolina Panthers have. Fumble recovery this past week. Um, really, I think he was in on the play that should have been a sack, but they ruled and should have been a sack fumble, but they ruled it a pass, which it, I don't, I don't think it was, and it was a legal pass, illegal pass too, because it hit the offensive lineman right in front of him. Anyway, um, right now, I think that Brian Burns is the production is probably um, not met his satisfaction. Frustration is starting to mount. I think that he. Um, is you know saddened that he he's probably putting the most expectations on himself, right? Like if we thought he could get twelve sacks, he certainly believed he could get twelve or more. More, I'm sure that he wants the production to come. But I do think Brian Burns is as good as he thought we thought he was. I do think though he's going to have to continue to grow, particularly in setting the edge and developing a little bit more dynamic game than just the speed rush and the spin move. Now, that might be getting a little bit more power in the offseason, but I think that it's too quick to overreact. Three bad games, not by him, bad games by him, but games that he hasn't just been straight dominant. But these again have been against some tough teams, right? Is that these, um, the three teams that you've played, two of them had had um, veteran quarterbacks that have known how to negate pass rush, speed rush by uh, the quick passes. Dallas was able to do it by running it straight up the gut. That's what they did. They weren't just running at the edges or anything. Now, did he play – is that his strength? No, it's not. Um, his strength is pin the ears back, go after the quarterback. I think he's still good, but maybe we set our expectations of 12 sacks a little too high. Listen, I don't think the expectation is too high for 12 sacks. I just think Brian Burns has to finish. And that's one thing that he is not doing. Uh, you know, Von Miller has really made a lot of these pass rush summits uh, that, that he's been doing. And one of the things that he teaches is don't even go for the sack, go for the football. Well, I'm telling Brian Burns, that's a veteran maneuver, man. You haven't earned that spot yet. Brian Burns has one of the nastiest inside spin maneuvers out of any defensive end in the NFL. He has long arms that he can use to wrap around the quarterback, and yet he keeps on having these near misses, Tony, where he's an inch away from getting a quarterback sack, making a huge play that could change the tide of the football game, and then he just whips. He whiffs at the last minute, and I think part of the reason why it's so frustrating is because we know what kind of a talent Brian Burns is, and he's far too good to keep on having these silly near misses. He needs to wrap up, finish the play, quit trying to be fancy, and do what we know you're capable of doing. So it's not that Brian Burns uh, isn't as good as we thought he was. I still think he can be a very special game-changing player at that defensive end position. But the fact of the matter is he has not yet lived up to the hype. We want this guy to be one of the premier pass rushers in the NFL, 
And even though he has the capability to do it, it doesn't necessarily mean he'll live up to it. He has to finish. And if, if he really wants to be considered in that upper echelon, that's what he has to start doing. And the rest of this year is going to be his opportunity to prove himself that he is indeed the kind of player that not only we think he is, but that he thinks he is. Final debate take. Debate my take, Cody. I'm going to let you have first dibs at this one. Has a movie sequel ever surpassed its predecessor? Yeah, I think there's a few of them, but the one that comes up on top of my mind is Toy Story 2, baby. Let them waterworks flow. The original Toy Story was a classic. I'm a 90s baby, Tony Dunn. I know you call me just a child. And you know what? Maybe I am. In my heart of hearts, I still am. And you know what? I cried more in the second Toy Story movie than I did in the first one, man. Do you get to meet Jesse, the female cowboy? She teams up with Buzz and Woody. And then, you know, it's a story about, you know, finding who you are and moving on from the people that are no longer in your life anymore. And even though it's a movie for children, it has so many values that you can incorporate into your real life. And Tony Dunn, I'm not going to lie, sometimes you give me Prospector Pete vibes. If, I, if, if I'm being honest, man, that could be you. Watch that movie, Pro, Prospector Pete. That could have been you in a different lifetime if you were born a toy, my man. I'm here to tell you. Which one was he? He was a little a fat. Minor, obviously. Yeah, yeah, he was a little short, fat prospector guy. And ultimately, he was up to no good. But you know, if you haven't seen that movie in a while, it's been a long time. That's not the one where man. they go to the toy factory, is it? Uh, it's the three? one where it's the one at the airport with uh, at the tarmac. Uh, and okay. they're they're oh, trying. Wow. To, That's a good. Yeah. Answer. You got another one because uh, you got another movie that maybe could surpass its predecessor, or is that the I, only one? Oh man, another movie that suppresses. You know, I think that some of the Rocky movies got better and better. I don't know if it was a sequel, but I think uh, right. I mean, uh, Rocky Four sequels. Yeah, Rocky I think four I think is like Four is probably my favorite out of all the rocket films um yeah man i think there's a, there's a few of them but i know toy story that's the one that comes to my mind as being all right uh, uh, my my answer is um i'm gonna say no is that uh and i'm sure that at, like ever. at a granular level like yes there's gonna be one movie that you can maybe find a sequel that be, you know, beats the first one to a certain degree but I mean, that is it is a subjective question, number one. But the thing is, is this is I think that more in more cases than not, the best sequels um, only become in the same like uh, conversation as the first ones. And I'll give you a couple examples. There's two sequels that I think that kind of or three sequels that I think that are um, it, for me personally that I would consider to be in the kind of ballpark of their of their first movie right i'll give you four actually uh, rambo 2 i like rambo 2 where he goes to where it's in <laughs> vietnam but at the end of the day rambo 1 has a better storyline it has like it's more um authentic of a story but um it's a kind of a blockbuster production rambo 2 terminator 2 I think, and, and James Cameron loves the sequels, right? He was in Aliens. He did Aliens. 
which I don't think, again, blockbuster production, but does not surpass the first Alien movie in actors and storyline and, th- and things like this. Uh, but kind of in the same realm, realm L- Aliens, Terminator 2, I would say, man, that lived up to the billing. But still, Terminator 1 was a little bit raw. You know, it wasn't so, like, it wasn't like, oh, stand on one leg. I mean, these Terminators were tough and mean in the in the first one, or Arnold Schwarzenegger was. Um, Godfather 2, good movie. But I don't know if it can, I mean, great, super long, though, the second one. But uh, it had Al Pacino in it. I mean, uh, not Al Pacino. Al, Al Pacino was in all of them. Or the first one, Robert De Niro was in that one, so that one was cool. But I still think, like a man, the uh, Michael Corleone and the bathroom scene and killing the cop in the first one, or the scene where the guy uh, Marlon Brando, uh, when the guy comes and asks a favor at the beginning of the movie, fantastic stuff. I think Die Hard Three could also enter the conversation of being eligible and in the same conversation as Die Hard One. But Die Hard One's still the supreme, the supreme movie. But I think that I would say, yes, there has probably been one movie. I'm going to go back and watch this Toy Story to see if I can uh, deb- debate your take further down the road. But I think more times than not, there have been terrible sequels that have let us down that should have never been made. Maybe Wayne's World also could be get put into the conversation. Wayne's World 2. Yeah, Wayne's funny. World 2 is still funny. Not as good as the first, though. Not as good as the first, but still, like, was not a letdown. But if you want to see a big-time letdown sequel, go see Boondock Saints 2. Ruined it. I mean, it was so bad. It was so awful. that, um, yeah. And the first one was so good. So... Um, the answer is maybe there's been one, but that's it. More times than not, the predecessor is the the reigning champ, and you're just lucky if you don't have a letdown to the to the franchise at that point. Ma- oh, I bet you somebody would come in here and say star a Star Wars movie. Yeah, a lot of people would. But um, and then you got to get into the take of is is the first one the first one is the third one the first or the fourth one? Well, the they're first all one? out of order anyway. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, I think you yeah. got to put them out when that on the timeline that they actually were released. Yeah, the older they are, like they had the movies that came out in the two thousands, and those were the earliest ones, and those were the most universally hated. So yeah, oh know. man, uh, Jar Jar Binks and Annie. The worst. The worst. Anakin Skywalker. What a why. Who knew that Darth Vader was such a crybaby? Who would have expected that? And I would just be like, Annie. And he's always crying and whiny. And what a brat, Darth Vader. It was like, this is what happens when you throw a temper tantrum with the force. You become how, Darth Vader. How about I'm a daughter fell in love with a little boy? Like in the first movie, she's like a grown chick. And he's yeah. like a little boy. And then in the second movie, they're totally banging, dude. And it's like, whatever. They can be two years <laughs> age. Pedophile. Pedophile. Yeah, it's like, apparently that's okay amongst the stars, you know? All right. All right. You've heard, That's another edition of Debate My Take. This was week seven. We would like for you to jump in the comment section and let us know who won these debates. You can vote for just a straight um 
I guess, sweep of one of us, or there's been some great comments. If you go into the comment section, people are really saying this is that Cody won three, Tony won all of them. Cody won two, Tony won all of them. No, no one uh, said Tony won all of them. That's all right. for it's, damn it's, sure. It's been another wonderful um, time talking with my worthy adversary, my worthy opponent, my brother from another mother, Cody Lashney. Um, this week, Friday, Friday free for all. I'm sure there's going to be some passion in that room. Oh yeah, you already know that there's going to be a, a a fun time to be had on the Friday free for all every Friday at 7 p.m. where you can come on and be a part of the C3 Panthers podcast and tell me personally what you think of this Panthers football team. We have great discussions that go on there with a ton of really diehard C3 Panthers fans. It's a good time for everybody, man. Come check it out. Be a part of the shenanigans. You're going to have a good time. I don't bite, I promise. And, uh, yeah, come check us out on the Friday free-for-all. All All right. We'll see you guys until Friday and Sunday after the game and Tuesday night. We're always here chopping up the latest Panthers news. Until then, keep pounding. And this time, it's time to pound them giants. We'll see you on Friday, Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and every day in between on Twitter at cat underscore chronicles. And for you, Cody, where can they find you? At Cody Lack, C-O-D-Y-L-A-C. Hit me up. All right, peace out. We out. What if I told you that you can support your blood pressure and healthy CoQ10 levels with two chews a day? The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. That's like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 supports your cardiovascular health. Visit RadioBeats.com and find out how you can get a free 30-day supply on bundles and save 15% with the promo code DEAL. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.